Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I talk with horsewoman Emma Daly Klein about how to juggle cupcakes, colt starting, entrepreneurship, and the art of horsemanship. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Before I introduce Emma, I thought you would enjoy hearing the preamble to our interview as we both struggled to set up Facebook Live and in the process demonstrated how very non-adult we both can be. I hope you enjoy this episode. Emma and I certainly enjoyed our conversation. So we're, I'm, what I'm hearing now is we're setting up for Facebook Live. And in a minute, I'm not even looking at you right now, so... So I could be making faces at you? I, yeah, I would totally not get that. Now it says now it says that we are streaming on Facebook Live, so we have to act really serious as okay. if we are grown-up people, which we're not. But grown-ups, except for we have horses, which means right. we never have to grow up. That's right. That's why we have them. So, so I'd like to welcome all of the Horsewise listeners and watchers, potentially, and introduce you to Emma Daly Klein who is a fantastic horsemanship person that I discovered many years ago, well, not many years ago, a few years ago on Facebook. And it's horsemanship is only one thing that she does. She's also a fantastic realtor in the Oregon area. And I think kind of a life philosopher based on some of the things that I've read on your Facebook posts and on your blog. Emma also uh, works through Northwood Farms, which is an amazing horsemanship challenge every year which personally has uh, saved my butt in the winter months when I didn't know what to do with my horses. So I would kind of follow along with that. So welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for joining us on your lunch hour. I know you're super busy and we appreciate the time. Yeah, well, it's great to be here. I'm glad we've been talking about this for a year, at yeah. least a year. At least so, a year. Yeah. I'm like, oh, look, we can do it. Yeah, Yay. exactly. Here we are. Everybody. Hi, everybody. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how I found you, like what drew me to some of your Facebook posts. I'm a well-known Facebook stalker of horsemanship people. It's just one of my really? things. Yes. It's just one of my things. I actually collect photos of really cool moments, you know, that, I, that have been captured maybe like at some of the buck clinics or at the cult starting or things like that. And then through that, I kind of would track back to people because where I live, there's a lot of horse people, but they may not be as into this particular type of horsemanship that is, you know, kind of more of a philosophy rather than a technique. So I think I first came across you um, through some photos of the Buck Colt starting clinic long ago. I think really? You, yeah, I think because you'd been to a couple of those. Yeah. Uh, this is for folks who don't know, Buck Brandeman does an annual invitational cult starting at his ranch in Wyoming. And by invitational, it means that all of the people who are starting the cults are specifically approved by Buck so that you have a certain quality of horsemanship. And um, it's just really fascinating. I've never been to it in person, but I always look eagerly for the photo stream. And I think it was the Nicole who took photos that year. Yes, Lee Nicole. So Nicole, who is somebody I also have been stalking for years when she was she called horse photography or something back in the day. So she so, was now at NicolePoyo.com. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. Say that yep. again because I talked over Nicole, it. Yeah, Nicole Poyo. So P-O-Y-O. Nicole P-O-Y-O dot com. Yeah, I think, yeah, fantastic. Or Nicole Poyo Photography. Oh, that's horrible. She's uh -oh. 
Uh -oh. I think it's NicolePoyo.com. We'll have to look. Well, we'll look in, in the show notes. <laughs> I, I, I will do yeah. show notes that will actually make it correct, and then we'll apologize for your mistake if you made a mistake. Just type in Nicole, <laughs> and Google will know who it and is. You'll find it. They'll find her. They'll find her. Yeah. So I noticed you because you had a helmet, and you looked. You know, obviously, you were more. I mean, you looked. You looked punchy in your way, but you looked also more like somebody I could relate to. And I was like, who is this person? So, and from there, I kind of looked up your blog. There you are. Look at that. She's, are you, very, are you in the very front of the photo? Yeah, I'm in the very front of the photo. This is Nicole. Took oh. that photo. And was that horse's yeah. name something like Sprinkles or? This one was Frosting. So there were three. And so the joke began because I was like, well, these guys had to give me a cupcake, <laughs> you know, because here I was like, just the the non cold starter and I think really I was one of three girls that first that first year Wow. Um, and so anyway I, had, I was like just please give me a cupcake so then the whole cupcake series began right. Right. and so the first one was the cupcake and then that one was frosting and then the last one was Sperry the Sprinkle. Sperry the Sprinkle. That's that, he was a paint. Is that right? Is that what I'm yep. thinking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I kind of vaguely remember that. So I saw those photos. Yeah, I saw those photos, and um, there's many people who tend to attend that clinic that I stalk, of course, already for photos. So I'm like, who's this person? So I went to your page and I saw all of the. You have such an interesting take on. It's just very interesting to me the blend between classical dressage and also accessing these horses through their mind and also very detailed study of horsemanship was what I felt you did very disciplined I think you I actually have this taped to my computer like monitor be relentlessly consistent and I think I picked that up from something you had either posted about or commented on and how much work it is yet it becomes like this daily steady discipline it's almost like the way you have presented it very meditative day to day. So I really liked that. And then of course, uh, just you're very articulate, a good writer. So that's everybody. That's why I just wanted to interview Emma. So here she is. And then the Northwood Farms Horsemanship Challenge, I think was one of the kind of first large scale attempts to put together a horsemanship community in a way that was supportive and helping each other just kind of reach goals and a fairly unusual tone to it. Because sometimes when you have these kind of challenges, people get super competitive, nothing wrong with competition, but it can, it can undermine other goals. And I was really impressed with how that was run and organized, even though I, I, I know maybe you'll, you'll, you'll say I'm wrong, but I know that that's a labor of love. It's not like you, you know, get a lot of money in sponsorships or something like it's this constant thing. So that's how I know you. And um, you've come to be one of the valued sources that I go to when I am looking to deepen some knowledge or I want to think about maybe what are the next set of goals for me that are still very related also to fundamentals. So that's why you're here. Well, thank you so much for having me. That means a lot to me. And I did not know that. I definitely yeah. didn't know that. So it's so interesting, right, to, to hear the, the echo back. Yes, it is. So now we're going to put you on the spot because I've talked a lot and people get tired of me talking. So why don't you just sort of share how this all came together for you? I know that a lot of people get very engrossed in horsemanship, but it seems like in some ways you've integrated your life around it yet while also being, as we joked at the beginning of this, a grown up, right? You have 
you know, a whole profession and entrepreneurial enterprise of your own. And you're also doing what is the equivalent of, you know, of course, high quality, but also full-time work in the horsemanship field. So just tell everyone about you and why you're so amazing. Yeah. Oh boy. No, no pressure. Well, yeah, really. Well, I do think that, so the, the probably one of the, the things that is, is an interesting twist than what we do normally see is somebody that spends this much time um, with horses and I ride a string of five or six which is a lot mm -hmm. and it's a lot to, to make no money from right <laughs> right, right. In, in the sense that in the sense that directly you know I'm not teaching lessons I'm not writing for the public and that is something that evolved you know over time of course I started riding when I was 12 um, um, just you know in 4-H and and came up through the ranks and so have been a very serious horsemanship student basically all along. Um, but what has the twists and turns that came was at every time, at, at every juncture that, that it possibly could turn pro, um, I just had little whispers from my mentors saying, if you can keep it art, just keep it art. Oh, well, cool. So what that meant was don't keep the commerce detached from it if you can, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've sold some horses, a, a few here, here and there. Um, and of course the Northwood Farms thing is a commercial venture. Sure. Um, but the focus is not to make money. Right. And so then there had to be an income stream separate from that. Right. And so actually becoming a realtor uh, and then owning my own real estate business for even more freedom um, became, was all by design. It's all because I wanted to have as much freedom um, and dollars per hour as possible. Okay. So lucky for me, you know, my, my real estate business is, is by referral only and um, basically community based as well. And the great part about that is that so many horse people are involved in it. So it's amazing, but, but essentially doing two full-time jobs is probably the hardest thing in my life. Right. Right. Just and frankly. I, yeah. How, how do you, how do you prioritize? Is it, is it that you, because I know with horses, it's very difficult to go, I'm only going to work with horses two hours today. Like something always changes. And I'm sure with real estate, it's not like I'm doing the real estate work from 3 to 5 p.m. because it's this ongoing. So how do you manage that? I think it's probably more of a mindset thing than a calendar thing or a time management thing. Is it more mindset for you or? Well, it's both. Mm -hmm. It's both. Um, I tend to think of things by the week. Have you read The Power of the Week? I have. That's a great book. Yeah. yeah. And The 12-Week Year. Mm -hmm. Those are some of my favorites, you know. And so just thinking of the horses in blocks, like, you know, um, how many rides, if I want to make progress with these horses, how many rides, mm -hmm. you know, per week is, is, the, is kind of the minimum. And then, um, you know, I just block that out. Obviously my real estate clients have to come first. And right. so a lot of times that means getting up early. And I think the thing that I had to sacrifice, right, maybe like five years, five years ago when things really started to get busy for me mm -hmm. and my business started to 
um, be pretty significant. And I was traveling a lot too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was driving over here this morning and I was thinking to myself, I kind of miss the smell of jet fuel. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a weird we all, thing. We, we all miss that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that, that getting the, you know, being in charge of people's assets is, is crucial. And you got to, that has to be first. So what had to get sacrificed on a personal level with the horses was, I wasn't able to schedule ride times with my friends anymore. I see. It was like, so what ha ended up happening is I'm the one who's like, hey, uh, I'm going to be at the campus tomorrow at three. Does anyone want to come on? <laughs> you know, because I can't plan it too far ahead because right. I have to just sneak my rides in whenever. Right. So, and some, and like Davina and Zorro are at the campus, right? And I'll be texting Beth, like, can I come over in like 15 minutes? Can you bring my horses in for me? <laughs> so it gets a little helter skelter, um, but that's okay. That's totally okay. Because um, for me, it just had to be for the freedom of thought. I guess this is what, and I'm so curious how other people do it because I know other people do it and charge and are teaching I mean, and right. my, some of my closest friends are doing it and I'm just so amazed and my hat's off to them but just for me personally the way that I've had to set it up to be able to think completely freely so that it's not having to go through the front of my mind so that it right. can go through the back of my mind because I'm not having to produce something Makes hopefully sense. I am producing things you right. know but it's not on it's not right. on a commercial schedule. You don't have a client going, I need this horse ready. I need him in, I need him in the two vein now. And it's just yeah, like, right. that's just not how it works. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really right. interesting. And so for some of my listeners who may not be as familiar with when I talk about the class, the, the blend of classical dressage, and I call it kind of Vicaro, the Dorrance school. So horsemanship philosophy is what I always say, rather than it's a series of techniques. But can you talk a little bit about how that all sort of developed for you? Because I, I, my understanding, and I don't know your history completely, in spite of being a stalker, I don't know all of it, um, was, that, yeah, <laughs> was that uh, you, were, you were a dressage writer, is that correct? And then you eventually got more and more interested in this approach to horsemanship that involved maybe more of the bridal horse series and how those worlds kind of came together. And because I think, I don't know if I would have, I don't think I would have known you or heard of you so much if you hadn't been at the cold starting, you know, with, with the Buck Brandeman group. So, so if you could just talk about that a little bit more in case I, first of all, A, garbled it and B, you know, just because I think, I think it's interesting and it's my podcast. So I get to have people talk about what I think is interesting. So it's my yes. power, my power trip. So. Oh yes. And you deserve it for sure. <laughs> um, so I uh, grew up on borrowed horses so um, I started with a little cart pony at 12 years old and somebody just gave me a bridle and said, well, hey, if you can ride her, um, you can ride her. And so I <laughs> walked my little butt like a mile down the road um, for about a year and started that little pony myself. And I sure do wish I was that bouncy. <laughs> he backed me off for quite a bit um but i kind of got that going on and basically then i cleaned stalls for riding lessons and i leased horses um 
And then as a young adult, I met Hans von Blixen through um, the gal that I was taking um, dressage lessons from. Um, as locally, she was riding with Hans von Blixen. So for those of you guys that don't know who that is, he um, was an Olympian, a Swedish Olympian. And I met him when he was, oh my gosh, I think he was 85. Wow. And he was so amazing. Um, and everything that Buck has taught me is 100% congruent with what Hans would teach at, down to the hindquarter yield, the forequarter yield, the way that he rode with his legs, the way that he would be like, be patient. <laughs> You're teaching him something. And then he'd be like, it's got to come from his mind. So as, oh. a, as a young rider, um, in my first, like the first money that I was spending after my local, you know, my local riding lessons, but my education that I was putting money into was Hans. And so I, whenever he would come, he would come twice a year and travel to the U.S. And um, that's who I would ride with. And uh, in 2003... Um, Kip and I had bought our property, Northwood Farms HQ. We are mm -hmm. little tenants in uh, Sheridan here. And um, he died. Oh, yeah. He died at 90. And um, that year, I met Pat and Linda Pirelli. Ah. So this is something that I don't know if you know this part. I don't. So I, oh, yeah. So I spent 10 years studying with Pat and Linda. Wow. Yeah. So um, graduated level, fairly level three, of course, graduated with my uh, level four Liberty, level four finesse. And I have so many amazing friends that are fairly instructors to this day. And um, yeah, so very seriously, like rode in mm -hmm. Linda's game of contact and spent, spent, spent weeks and weeks at their centers. It was so fun. It was the most fun ever. But when I would come to the edge of that, you know, well, do you want to be an instructor? And it was just like, no, because this isn't, this was a means. No, you know, the answer was always, no, that, that isn't, that isn't exactly it. But because my thing was once Hans died, I didn't have anyone that I knew of, I'm sure there were people, but I didn't know where to go next. That was psychologically based, you know, that right. was going to come from right with the, with all the spirit and the, and the, the relationship first, that's the most important. That's what I care about. Otherwise mm -hmm. I just do something else, you know, right. Right. and, um, I would have had a software company or something, something, something <laughs> easy. Yeah. Something easy. Okay. Right. Silicon Valley <laughs> or like more lucrative. Right. You know? right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So I wanted, I want, I always wanted it to be a partnership. That's what Hans taught me. That's, that's what I loved ever since, you know, I was a kid. And so Pirelli really fed that and it's all about the fun and horsemanship and, and yeah, yeah. relationship first and all of those things. Um, and, but I, it wasn't that I didn't want to be a dressage rider because the gymnastics and the physicality of, of that was, was always, always where I was going, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so finally enough, I came to, I had, I was flying home, um, from Linda Pirelli's ranch in Pagosa Springs in mm -hmm. 2011, would it have been? Mm -hmm. July, 2011. 
and uh, got a text from a buddy. Hey, we're all going to go see Buck the movie when you get home. <laughs> okay, great. So we went and um, I, it was so great. We had a bunch of local people from the Polk County area here. And we went to the local theater and we watched Buck the movie and what a great story and just so neat. And then we got to the end and Rebel, you know. Right, right, right. And I was like, hello. <laughs> well, I like that. <laughs> I, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, you got, you got both, right. <laughs> exactly. So then I was like, well, that, so... Then the, the next week, so I got out of the theater. I'm like, Kip, we got to figure out this, you know, what's, what's next. And um, so Buck just happened to have had a bunch of cancellations due to, um, I think, um, equine virus or something that was going mm -hmm. around. And so he happened to be in Portland ah. and um, answering questions, doing a Q&A the next weekend. So we went up there. And because I was like, well, I want to hear this guy talk in real life because actually um, he had been mentioned to me, of course, by, in fact, Linda is, is one of the ones who had been like, you know, he would really like writing this book. And I just never made it up to this family Washington clinic to, to, to see him. And so we stopped by the uh, theater in Portland when he was there and I listened to him answer questions and right away I was like, yeah, this sounds great. And then at the end of the movie, um, I had run out to use the restroom and there he was. I ran, ran into him and I was like, Oh Buck, you know, hi, nice to meet you. We have mutual friends. And mm -hmm. so, uh, and funnily enough too, that was right down the street from where I first moved to Portland. Oh, wow. <laughs> Kind of so you're like, there's nothing's lining up here at all. Yeah, right, right, nothing. And then in fall, that fall, um, we decided that we were going to go to Spanaway to check him out. And so Kip and I went and um, we paid one day at a time in case in real life he was not that good with his horses. <laughs> I love telling that story. So and after, after the second day, you're like, I think he's okay. Like this guy's probably all right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was he's, the he's, first. He's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first day when when we were sitting at the top and and actually it was three days in and I had I had just been like okay well this is this is what I'm talking about you right. know so going all the way back to your question like this is the dream right mental emotional spiritual physical connection between horse and human right and um I had been watching. And Buck knew I'd been watching, right? And so um, the very first question I ever asked him, I just said, Buck, I've been watching for three days and I can't tell the difference between the engaging steps and the disengaging steps. He's like, I like you. <laughs> and he goes, well, there are no disengaging steps. And I was like, sold. Okay, you. <laughs> You're it. <laughs> so, so then uh, basically the short version of the rest of that story is I rode with him or, or I didn't ride with him, um, but I spent about 12 weeks out of the year with him for six years in a row. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty serious. Like I had found my, my next, you know, my next teacher and of course we become great friends and he's been so generous with me um, as he is with everybody. Um, but um, yeah, I've gotten to make some bridal horses and, um, and now, just over the last couple of years, gotten some warm bloods, 
you know, and a beautiful PRE. And we can talk much more about how <laughs> it overlays on all the horses, you know, and how that teaches you stuff. But the brilliant part about buck steel and what suits me to my core um, is the, the whole curriculum. And it's such a funny thing, isn't it? Because people are, are struggling. So especially when you do have to commercialize it to some degree. I mean, I struggle with it just wanting to talk about it in a vlog. Right. You know, how do you, it's this person's horsemanship or it's this, it's like, because you want to like give credit where right. credit's due. But on the other hand, you, you, you don't want to like be saying you're teaching someone's method when you're, I'm even, I feel like I can't even say, okay, so here's how I think about, you know, using the circling game. Everyone wants to know how to use, because I don't even want to take, you know, from my friends that are Pirelli instructors or from Pat and Linda, I'm scared to even say the circling game. Right. You know right. No, I do. I do. Hesitant is. And so lucky for me, you know, with, with studying with Buck and my whole vlog series that, that we got to do from that was just like, look, this is just what I'm doing with my horses and this is my teacher. So that's the whole gist of it. And then, um, you know, the next, the next few layers will be, I have, I have a couple of great dressage coaches in the wings and, um, bring that all back to the center buck says that he will help me too <laughs> <laughs> the answers are at the beginning right? right the answers really are at the beginning and and the cult starting like being able to do that cult start at bucks for those three years was so amazing um the only reason i stopped going is just because it's really hard to leave for 10 days in the middle of mm. mega real estate season yeah yeah, yeah. It's really really rough um, plus we have other butt clinics around here too. Right. You know, right. So, so it's just, a, unfortunately, you know, I wish there was something going on in winter. <laughs> yeah. Know, no, that I would know. be cool. But, but so the whole curriculum from swinging the loop and throwing it, like get, watching Gary, mm -hmm. right. And by, by the way, just before you get going, we're talking about Gary Bailey, Bailey horsemanship in Oklahoma who is an incredible horseman. And those of you who've been listening for a while, you know I do two things. I, I run Lope, a racehorse adoption charity. We work with war horses, who are horses who will never be bridal horses, but they're fascinating horses. And then I do Horsewise, the podcast and coaching. Gary uh, went with us to Puerto Rico to do a clinic for the race training community, the jockeys. To, to kind of help them see ways to enhance performance using a method that maybe wasn't quite so, um, you know, confrontational. So, and I actually heard of Gary through you because you went and rode with him some colts and everything, I think. And I'm like, who's this guy? So I went and looked him up. And then when we were looking for a clinician, we, we'd gotten in a horse that was very troubled from Puerto Rico and um, got us interested in learning more about how to maybe help over there. And so I talked to Mr. NG who referred me to Gary and I'm like, I know who Gary is. And so it was just like this whole thing. So go back to what you were saying about Gary. <laughs> well, so, so, you know, for those of you guys that know the Buck Branneman crowd, <laughs> there's definitely an element of giving your horse a job, 
and roping and cattle and all of this. And um, I think some people thought that uh, when I came into the Buck Brandman crowd that I was going to get all ropey and, or at least try to, you know, at least change my outfit. But they, they all started to get the clue when I didn't change my Pirelli saddle for three years. <laughs> well, I was never going to be into the, into the roping or the cows. Um, although pushing cows around is, is really fun, but it's a little bit like guns, you know, yes, we should probably all know how to use guns, but you got to practice. Like right. you have to practice. So if you're going to, yes, roping is, is, and, and, um, doing a proper job with your horse is awesome, but there's got to be a little bit of reality in terms of what right. your lifestyle is like. And my lifestyle, um, just does not include having actual cattle around me. Mm -hmm. that's just that's just not part of my but I got to uh, one at a certain point I said hey Buck what do you think my, you know I met this guy at actually I met um, Gary at a buck clinic um, because his daughter Cassie was riding and I'm like what do you think should I go down he's like yeah go down and check it out so Gary and I have become great friends and lucky for me I've gotten to spend um several days down there about five or six times a year awesome. and man I'll tell you what that guy is a gem watching him start oh, because it's really different at a Buck Brandman clinic set, setting you know or any kind of cult starting setting Joel does yeah, this yeah. too where you have multiple cults getting started um, at one time, there's there's a whole special dynamic that comes with that, but also you, it's not the same as when it's just one guy and one horse, right? And man, I could talk about for another hour and a bit about Gary and his whole history. I really think you should have him on the podcast. <laughs> if I can coax him on, I will. He's he's, yeah. he's he's busy guy. So, but I'd love to have him on. He's great. He just has a great story. I mean, he's like fifth generation cowboy and. Yeah. But I, and and the the thing is the beginning. I guess what this is what I'm saying is the very beginning from bringing a wild baby into the round pen mm -hmm. and for a real horseman to be horseback and to swing a loop over that baby's neck and to start from there and then to go all the way through a finished snaffle bit horse and then what are you going to go from there? You know, um, that's, it's very congruent. It is, which it, I guess that's my point about the curriculum. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's an art in all of that, but it, it's kind of like part of our American, uh, what's the word Her heritage. That's not what I'm, it's, it's just something cool. It's a gem that we have this horsemanship curriculum that goes from that moment of swinging the first loop. And although that's not something I'm going to do, right. I know what that looks like. I've spent a ton of time around and I know what it's like to go catch those babies when they are halter broke, but not gentle. Right. Interesting. What's the difference? Because I didn't, you know, maybe five, six years ago, I didn't even know that you could have a baby that was halter broke, but not gentle. And you could have a horse that would be gentle, but no. not halter broke. Right. 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 And yeah. what do those things feel like? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. And then you're, you were saying too, at the, at the start of this discussion on curriculum that you're now getting into maybe another level of goals or another series of goals 
you know, you have some dressage coaches lined up, you've got bucks on board and, and how it relates back to all of it is in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so there's that kind of classic saying that it, you have to start one to know how to finish one. You have to finish one to know how to start one. And since you're clearly very much in that sort of circle of the foundation to the end result, since you finished bridal horses and you've also done a lot of the cold starting and you've, you've been working with people who understand that at a very deep level above and beyond the superficial how has that affected your goals now? Like what, what are your goals? The ones you're comfortable talking about? Well, so my goals are probably the same. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's different other than, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's just taken me this long to be able to kind of start jumping. It's taken me since Hans died in 2003. So 17 years <laughs> to really get to a place where I'm riding three horses in a dressage saddle now. Oh. For years, I didn't even have a dressage saddle. So, um, you know, probably my personal curriculum is going to end up something like, or, or I don't know if curriculum is the right way to say it, but, but I think you can't go wrong making a snaffle bit horse mm-hmm. right a, a, a snaffle bit horse for sure um and then of course if you what could be wrong with having a level three Pirelli horse in that same horse right mm-hmm. that'll run to you at the gate and you can ride bareback and bridleless and like all of, to me that's all super fun <laughs> why would you not have those things why would you not have horse that could jump the barrels why would you not have a horse that can you know load at liberty of course if you have time of course you would do all those things right and then probably um i I would like to see what i can do in terms of um maybe uh yeah really starting to progress through the metals maybe Mm -hmm. so so we'll see a lot i mean a lot of stuff happened when i got zorro last year and divina a few years before that those were the, it was a big deal because getting uh, the horses that uh, would really show me the ropes. Right. And, and that were capable of going to different levels. I know that you spent a lot of time working with horses. I think that weren't perfect and you got so much out of that, right? You know, you've worked with some rescue horses. Right. You know, Vivian, Vivian's one of the horses I think I followed for a while. And there's so much to learn from this. So profound, right? But it's also really cool to take that and then apply it to a horse that that has a different level of capability or aptitude might be a better word for it. Physical aptitude is a, is a real thing with certain kinds of athleticism. And um, so that must be kind of interesting for you. It is. It, it's really interesting, especially um, Zorro being so educated mm-hmm. already. Um, he came from a little bit of a different school of what I'll end up at because he came through uh, – uh, sort of the very French style, mm-hmm. and that's probably not my focus, although it's kind of funny because in a way you would think that Buck School is more French, mm-hmm. which it kind of is, um, but I think when it comes down to the ultimate, the style, like the style, the way that I want things to look, probably the the Charlotte Dujardin's horses 
most mm-hmm. I would say that, that when I watch her ride, I'm like, yep, that is, that looks good to me. Mm-hmm. That looks good to me. She and Carl. Yeah. And, and what's I'm the like, difference to you between that and maybe what would be considered? I know these, these are kind of terms, right? But is it? Yeah. Is it I don't have any criticisms. I don't know. Oh, totally. We all, and we all, one thing I just like to say is, uh, I, I've never developed a full bridal horse, probably never will, but people who develop bridal horses, well, maybe, maybe so, maybe so. Um, people who develop bridal horses, you know, the horses tend to reflect the person a little bit. There's like these, I mean, that's why I think it's so artistic about it. And mm-hmm. so you can have a preference for a certain look that doesn't yeah. criticize the others. So I'm just yeah. curious about what that is for you. So there's a throughness. Mm. There's a throughness that like I really crave when I'm riding. And 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 so I'm quite unwilling to like raise the head mm. and give up. Uh, right underneath um which i've done i've done all of all of that i've experimented with all of that right but i don't like that um i had to kind of ride zorro in secret the the gal that i bought him from is one of my very best friends so she she knows all about what's going on you know but i'm like i don't want to go with his head down you know? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm having a heart attack about it but i'm like you have to get through to the lower back you have to get through to like it's kind of like you know when you maybe drop your head all the way down to the floor and put your hands your palms on the floor mm-hmm. you gotta like let everything relax and then you can put the vertebrae back you know one one stack at a time and well it's, it's kind of like yoga you do the forward fold and then you rise slowly to mountain and so that's when you realize yeah. where you're okay so there's that kink there or if you rush it you'll miss You'll still get to the to the vertical position, but you'll miss something that's very significant along the way. And I work a lot with rehab horses, so my deal is I work with these horses. They're called war horses off the track. They run till eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, even thirteen years old. So they're green and they're full of braces that are specific to their sport. They're also really cool, smart interesting horses personality wise because they ran that long voluntarily you can't make a horse run that long you know they break down if they so it's a very interesting blend and so one of the things I've noticed is I've got as I've tried to study more and get more consistent with certain things is that a lot of times when they first learn to maybe just swing a little bit from behind and I'm talking about infinitesimal like this is just like the smallest thing even if uh it might be a little faster than would be perfect in the perfect world, I am inclined to let them stretch down because they've never felt even for those few minutes. And if I feel like if I do this, I'm much more likely to get an eruption, even though someone else would be like, oh my God, you don't have any, but it's not like I'm throwing the reins away. I'm not sophisticated enough to even do that. I'm just like, I can feel it's really important to not interfere with that little bit of swing, which for them is like life-changing and so I, I get what you mean, even though I'm doing this on a very rudimentary level here and there. Well, but it is tiny though. And, yeah. and, and, and I would say that that just because it's on a small level doesn't mean that it's less significant. It might be more significant because of course on the smaller, the level, the more it's coming from the horse's mind. Yes, that's a really good point. And then the horses we work with, their minds are fascinating things, extra fascinating 
extra fascinating? I have always wanted to do a war horse, for oh, sure. It's on my list. Oh, I've got one for you. We will talk later. But um, <laughs> the thing that's really interesting about them is that they are so locked up in some ways. But like, mm -hmm. seriously, like their jaw, they have no idea that that jaw can move. They're like, it, it doesn't. I move my whole neck. And so when they finally get to this, just for a second, they will release for like minutes. And it's this huge thing emotionally because no one's ever waited for that very, very, very tiny thing. And it's not like they immediately become bridal horse ready, but it changes them. And it's very profound to be part of that. So when we have teen interns and stuff working with the horses, we're basically teaching them to focus on that. What that was that expression and how did that horse change when you led him away after that session? And so, so I get what you're talking about with that. It's very, um, the small things are really the most profound, aren't they sometimes? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because you can, you can just get a fancy enough horse in whatever yes. discipline. It doesn't matter. Buy metallic cat or, um, you know, buy, buy a super fancy dressage horse or, mm -hmm. or whatever. It doesn't matter. Buy the most expensive thing and then you could just get a result. But that's not the fun part. No. That's not the fun part. The fun part is the partnership. And so going back to the horses that were, you know, in that still live with me, by the way. <laughs> Some of you guys remember Jack's, you know, a scrubbed out um, Western pleasure horse, made a bridal horse, gorgeous. Like he taught me. I have a new horse named Maggie. I'll have to tell you about her, but I saw the video I, with, with her weird gait anomaly. That was really interesting. It's like a weird, it's not quite rain lameness, but something's like, it does seem like it's mental. I, I could kind of see what you were saying. Pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gone. So I'm so glad I got it on, on video because it, it was just a learned behavior. But, but Jax taught me what a horse can do in spite of their body in spite of what their body is telling them that they can do. And so all of, I guess that's, I mean, that's the good stuff just for me, what floats my boat. And, and certainly um, I think what Buck has, has given me that I've always wanted is there was no end to the well with Buck. Mm. Mm. You know, when I would always, I'd, I'd come to him from having some crazy, you know, six weeks of practicing with my horses and I'd have thoughts and ideas and, and there was no, there was no wall ever. Um, he just, the next layer, the next layer, the next layer. And the goal was always to have it come from the horse's mind. Mm -hmm. So the problem with that is that it's, it becomes really challenging. Who can you talk to about that? Yes. Right. Yes. That's why I started the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. We have to go to extreme measures. <laughs> Do whatever it takes because it is, it, it, it can sound, it can sound flaky to talk about it a little bit. Like if you just in the sense that it is, there's a lot of, precision and discipline involved, whether you're doing it again on a very basic level like I am, or if you're doing it at the level where, you know, bridal horses and, you know, beautiful working horses in the tradition, but um, it can sound, it can sound like there's no precision involved, but there is a lot of precision, even in following your intuition, even in really paying attention to what the horse is trying to offer. 
I feel like that does take as much discipline and precision as the athletic training you might put yourself through or your horse through to be conditioned. But we, we're not used to talking about it that way. It feels a little like, you know. Well, you have to go to the artist to talk about it. Yeah. You, I think you have to cross that. That's to me where I found the companionship. I mean, the why this, of course, we have horse people that we can talk sure, to sure. about these sorts of things. But for me, where I really found it was in the, in other artists, in other disciplines. That makes right? sense. Because yeah. You got to go to the intuitive part of, of letting a skill develop far, far away from your logical mind. Right. Right. And, and it kind of hashes on your, my, I'll just speak from my experience. Like I would go through these periods of being able to write really prolifically about mm-hmm. something and then I'd have nothing to say mm-hmm. because it all would be going, <laughs> stuff would be happening in the back or I'd tell Buck, like I would watch him ride or something would happen and I could feel like all of these neurons firing and all this stuff. And I knew I'd learned something, but I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. No idea. That's really and, and so then what do you say? You don't have anything to say. <laughs> Talk about like sounding airy fairy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but then you go to another artist or, or even another athlete, like a distance runner mm-hmm. or something like this and they're oh yeah yeah oh yeah sure oh yeah you know? I get that yeah I get that yeah yeah and it's also um uh well for me uh I had this experience 14 years ago I was at a little horse event and was working with a horse and I shouldn't have been working with the horse I sh- shouldn't have been at the event and something really profound happened and as I walked out of the arena it was I talk about it in a book I wrote it, it was like the I was the end of an arc like I could just feel this end of an arc in my learning and I knew yeah. that I would write a book about it which I did which was not on my to-do list for that year but if it hadn't been for that moment I wouldn't have understand this context and then that book was about kind of horsemanship and what the horses had taught me but it, it was you know successful book but it came from that then I didn't write anything for like four years that was significant but it was something that, that really, it's like for me, I end up percolating a lot in the background and then all of a sudden I'll like vomit out like, you know, 10,000 words on something or I'll start a podcast or whatever it is. But it, to me, it's all part of the work itself. It isn't like this indulgent, I'm just sharing what I feel like. It's like, well, I want to, um, well, first of all, I'd like to contribute what I can a forum, but I also am very interested and want to learn more in a way that is responsible, meaning that I'm taking responsibility for my education. I'm not just saying, oh, I want to learn everything, but I don't want to actually practice it or take responsibility for improving and also not not kind of um, cop out by saying, oh, I suck. Like, you know, like there's all these sort of layers to it. And that goes, that's true for art. Uh, well, and I think horsemanship is an art. So um, anyway, that's just my little rant on it. Same kind of thing. I'm you know, I was going to ask you about your writing because your writing to me does seem very related to your riding. And I find that most people who write well about horsemanship are usually uh, very skilled and, and very much committed to the art of horsemanship. Somehow those two things really go together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's, it's just interesting how everybody, well, the folks that I follow or, or the people that um, have managed to produce and certainly to produce over time and certainly to survive the 
wash of medium yes. that we have, right? Right. Uh, and it and what gets written out is is just a fascinating a fascinating deal, and um, I'd love being able to be a part of it for sure. Yeah, for me sure. too. Yeah, I mean, there's times when I'll go back and read something and be like, oh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what if you don't write it down? Then it disappears. It just like, disappears. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Well, um, we've been talking for almost an hour. I don't know if you're aware of that. This this is a this is a horsewise podcast meme where we're like, it's been 10 minutes, right? And it's been almost an hour. And yeah. I know that I do know that you have a you know a real life to get back to. But as we're kind of ending this up, is there anything in particular you would like to just sort of share, talk about an ending comment. I know I have a hunch we're going to be talking again um, because I feel like obviously we have a lot that we could continue to develop. Um, even if it's just about each of your horses, like a Zorro podcast episode would be wonderful. And, um, but yeah, for this one, what, what, what kind of comes to mind here as we get to the end? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Nothing, nothing in specific. I think I'm really excited about Maggie. So, um, so, you know, my, the warm bloods that I'm writing are Willow and Davina and Zorro and, um, this new Oldenburg Maggie who came into my life. And I, what I think will be exciting if I can pull it off is I'm just going to try to do some raw, pretty raw stuff about her. Um, and I'll put it on my, on my Instagram channel. And so you guys can kind of see, like, I'll just, it's not going to be fancy or produced, but I think it will be worth capturing because um, it's it's just an interesting deal that little learned behavior. And um, I think, like I said, she she was on quite she was on Equiox every day, and she was on injections and all sorts of things. But I really think that um, it maybe was just a little bit of an underestimation of what a horse can learn in their mind. Well, and before you finish that thought for the people who, and I'll, I'll post a link to the video into your Instagram feed, but explain what you mean by that learned behavior specifically, because people don't know what you mean, who are listening in Bulgaria right now. Right. Okay. Hi to <laughs> Bulgaria. What's the weather in Bulgaria? I wonder. I, I don't know. I don't know, but it I do have listeners in Bulgaria. That's, that's actually a, a real thing. I do have listeners in Bulgaria. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know anybody in Bulgaria, but. There you go. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically I came across this beautiful horse um, that kind of had an intermittent offness. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how many comments and private messages and stuff that I got after that. Cause it's so hard for people to wrap their brain around that this, it could be a learned behavior. It looks, it looked like just a, like a super short step on her right hind leg, mm -hmm. like really, really short. And, um, and I just, I just had a gut instinct that it possibly could just have been a learned behavior. And learned how did you think? Oh, I don't know. Accidentally rewarded. Accidentally rewarded. That's, that's what I think, but I could totally be wrong. I really could totally be wrong. That's when it, it's, it's October something. 19th it's my wedding anniversary it's october 19th happy anniversary <laughs> thank you and um so i think i've had her for about five weeks and and she's off of everything and she's sound like that's awesome so, 
Yeah, and she had been x-rayed and ultrasounded and all of those things. And the gal that had her just was so awesome and so nice. But she was like, I can't figure this out. It's time for me to move on. You know, and I was like, I just, I got to give it, you know, a shot. So I'm like, Kip, let's just get this on video really quick. Because I've done that. I've, I've created rain lane horses. Um, although this was on the ground. Like, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, it, but, so we'll see. Yeah. But I, I do have another little video I'll be, I'll be putting up just some, some canter. She's really um, used to being ridden with a stick. Like she was ridden ah, with, the, with a lot and really happy. And yeah. uh, so I took the, I ditched the, the stick because I don't want to always have to ride with one. Nothing wrong with it if you do, but no. I just want to be. I, I'm uncoordinated. If you, if I have to have an extra thing in my hand, I'm not responsible for my leg. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, it's my failing. Right. <laughs> but um, so she, then I had to kick her in the belly. Of course, right. we're going through, we're going through this process of like, yeah, but you got to go. And if you don't go, I'm going to kick you in the belly with my spur. And she's like, Oh, I hate Ugh. that. I know, but we're going to get over it. So there's some, there's some relearning a seat connection there. Uh, but I think it'll be fun. It'll be the first time that I've really uh, shared just raw footage with people for oh, a long that's time. Cool. Yeah. I'm really interested in following it personally. And uh, yeah, for sure. That's so, great that you're doing that. So I hope you guys, yeah, tune in and just trust that, uh, I, th I think this is right, but we'll see. I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, tell everybody what your Insta handle is. And oh, yeah. So um, I hit it a while ago. Um, it's it's if you type in Emma Daily Klein, it's my horsemanship channel is Evolution of a Girl. Very good. So you should be able to find it there. And of course, you can always go to Northwood Farms Facebook page. Yes. And the breadcrumbs are there as well. And I will post a link in the show episodes for my listeners so that they can find you, find all those different links, and also your vlogs, which are really fun. They're on the, of course, the Northwood Facebook page and on the website, and they're on YouTube and all those cool things. And I'll post to those as well because those are awesome and really fun. And we'll I have people, one yeah. coming up with Flora. Oh, cool! Yeah. So the so Sunday it's set to go out on Sunday. Awesome. She did. Yeah, when she was doing the Buck Brand on Cold Star. Oh, that's really neat. Well, Emma, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really enjoyed having you. And again, I predict we'll have you on again, maybe for a shorter one on a specific course or topic. But it's just been great talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Emma as much as I did. I find her to be a great source of inspiration, not only for horsemanship, but also for basic life philosophy and entrepreneurship. Emma has a great approach, which involves essentially being completely non-cynical and also being ready to embrace new experiences on every level. I highly recommend that you follow her on social media, as well as her website and vlogs. Check out our show notes for specific links. And as always, I thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.